0: We are back, and today is the big summary of our 2024 real estate predictions, and this is going to be a very well, I think, um, researched list of predictions, and what Julie and I are going to attempt to do as often as we can is we're going to steel man our predictions, which means that we're going to say... You know, we predict this is going to happen, and then we're actually going to tell you why we might be wrong. And the reason that we're doing it that way isn't to create a hedge in case we're wrong about all of our predictions. (laughs) No. (laughs) Well, it's so that you can have uh, more knowledge, so you can have more confidence. Because if you're, for example, talking about interest rates going up or down, and you're not having, uh, and you're talking with someone who's, you know, resolute that they're only going to go one direction, you're now going to have both sides of the argument. And then you can form your own um, opinions. Because what we're hoping will happen as a result of today's show, is that you actually have your own 2024 real estate predictions. And yes, you can benchmark ours. That's perfectly fine. Um, and by the way, the notes for today's show, as with every show, are down below. So if you're on YouTube, Spotify, Stitcher, all the billions of different places that the podcast is featured, do scroll down and uh, click the link for the show description or the show notes. It's, it's uh, you know differentiated depending on the platform. And yeah, you're good to go.
1: Yes, that's right. And I'm so glad that you mentioned the notes because... More and more of our coaching clients in particular, and certainly some of you that are podcast listeners, future coaching clients, um, are asking about talking points. They're making videos. Some of them are even doing their own podcasts. They're being interviewed for papers. You know, they're writing articles. They're on shows. So you can certainly use the notes for that. And we do like to supply you with lots of talking points. Our job is, in fact... To educate you, motivate you, and get you into action.
0: Because let's be honest, if you don't have this information and if you aren't able to understand both sides of you know, all of our predictions, you're going to feel vulnerable. You're going to be more... I think it's more likely you're going to be a pessimist, or you're going to be living in fear. So this is your fear-busting 2024 real estate predictions, and I put it as the title, Julie, boom or bust. Well, or bust. I, I'll, I'll bust our own title. It's going to be a boom, but let's talk about that, starting with point number one.
1: Point number one, prices will continue to rise on average 5 to 6% nationwide. Now, some of you will experience as much as a 10% increase in price, and some places may be more stagnant. What happens locally will depend on your inventory per zip code, per town, per city, and of course the impact of new construction as well. Rents will increase and defaults in distressed real estate really is not gonna be an issue.
0: Right, so really, with regards to prices, will continue to rise. The only reason that wouldn't be true is if there was an enormous amount, or an, uh, you know, enormous amount of new inventory coming for sale, or a huge decrease in demand. And neither of those things are going to happen. So that's the flip side. And Julie said, and we're going to talk about this distress thing. We sprinkled that point uh, into some of the other predictions that we have. But there is going to be no increase in defaults or distressed real estate of any kind. It's it's going to remain uh, essentially not even on the radar in most markets. So. Don't 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 allow anyone to pull you down a rabbit hole thinking that you somehow need to specialize in distressed real estate because that's an exercise in futility in a market where you have enormous amount of demand and not enough supply. And by the way, as Julie is about to share with you, what do you think happens, listeners, uh, to inventory of homes when the interest rates drop? Julie, prediction number two. All
1: right. Speaking of interest rates, mortgage interest rates, point number two, they will continue to trend downward likely to stabilize in the low to mid 6% range. I had several coaching clients tell me just yesterday that in their markets, they're already under 7%. Builders will still offer better interest rates even than that through their in-house financing. Not all builders, but certainly the bigger builders are doing this. Assumable mortgages may become more prevalent. I also have coaching clients who are advertising their, their listings that have assumable mortgages. Uh, Again, we're already seeing that happen. And of course, five and seven year adjustable rates will become more popular. So really good news regarding rates.
0: And when do we predict the first Fed rate decrease to happen? Wait for it, wait for it, first quarter of 2024. We think that throughout next year, you're going to see a continual uh, decrease of interest rates. Now, those are the Fed, the Fed rates that don't necessarily correspond to mortgage interest rates, but are pretty damn near. So do expect mortgage rates to fall. Obviously, all of you who are listening who are lenders, uh, it's going to be a refinance boom for you. Anyone that's purchased in the last two years is going to be beating a path to your door. So, so get ready. But for the rest of you, do understand as rates fall, that does have an enormous effect on the people that are willing to put themselves, you know, into the market. And that includes sellers. So there's going to be an increase in inventory, which gets to prediction number three. Hopefully we're not going too fast. Remember, our points are down below. And you can always click and read. And by the way, when you're there, make sure that you join Premier Coaching. It's the next natural step in your real estate career. Now is the perfect time to join Premier Coaching. And when you do, you get the first month's access, which includes a daily semi-private coaching call and all the things uh, that are going to really turbocharge your business into 2024 and beyond. The number one thing that we want all of you to download the second you join Premier Coaching is the Real Estate Treasure Map. It's your fill-in-the-blank life and business plan. It's something that all of you should be completing if you haven't completed it already. You can join for free. Just uh, scroll down, click in the show description, uh, and when you're there, obviously, uh, click in I'm sorry, cut and paste our notes and use them for social and use them for all the other things that Julie suggested. Next point, Julie Harris.
1: Number three, inventory will rise as interest rates fall. And we're already seeing incremental inventory going up, which is unusual for this time of year before it flips over. Most sellers are also buyers. So when there's more choices to move up or down by they will be more willing to list. So as you see rates come down, you should be seeing more inventory. Now, I I wanted to add one little minor point to this because I've seen people uh, chatting about it online. There are some people who are kind of trying to create a little freak out about builder inventory increasing. But you have to remember that builders can actually control their own inventory. Most of the, uh, for example, both up and down inventory, One of the reasons why the builders are able to do what they're doing is because they've had land in Farm Bank all over the country for years. They can pull the trigger. They can put it in Farm Bank. They can they can sell it to another builder, What's another developer. Saying,
0: what she's saying, in case those of you who aren't from the Midwest, which is, you know, the yeah. vast majority of you who are a listener on the coast, but uh, FarmBank is basically where you can take farmland that was going to be, uh, you know, previously farmland, and you can uh, have the government start to pay you not to farm it, even though it was not, you know, you bought it not with the intention of farming, but of making it into a subdivision. But to Julie's point, there, they can actually carry land with virtually no cost, and that's a lot of case a lot of times what they're going to do. It's funny, Julie. I was thinking back to um, World War II, actually. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was thinking about all when the soldiers were coming home after World War II, and they started building all those little dinky Sears homes. Oh and yeah, those are great. You, you used to have a house delivered. You'd order it from Sears, you'd have it delivered on a, the back of a uh, train, and then you'd go and pick it up with your buddies, or you'd have all the pieces and parts delivered. It was a semi prefab house, basically. I
1: think of Two of our rentals are Sears houses. Well, it's
0: really all Colonial Hills is that way. A lot of Clintonville yeah. that way. A lot of the United States. And the point I'm trying to make is that you will see a change in the style and the size of homes. Uh, you know, it's going to change as the economy changes. So you think back to, you know, the booms in the last 20 years. Builders were building bigger homes. Interest rates were lower. People had the ability to afford those payments and all the rest of it. And as the economy tightens up, what are you saying now? A lot of builders are building smaller houses on smaller lots. And you're going to see probably in the next certainly 12 months, but 24 months, a mixture of both. To Julie's point, you're going to start seeing a lot of the builders, yeah. if the rates fall, who are going to start building larger homes because that's what they have to build in order to compete. Maybe the four-bedroom house with a you know 2,800 square foot uh, floor plan. It's going to become a thirty-five hundred square foot floor plan with four bedrooms and a loft kind of thing. You've you also see a lot of modern floor plans, right? You've seen all this before. It's going to start happening again. Uh, but really, the most important thing is there will be our prediction. Our prediction number three is there will be a increase in the number of homes for sale and that will lead directly to prediction number 4 the number of homes sales the number of home sales will rise and we believe they're going to rise significantly this should be fantastic news for all of you because <laughs> guess what 2023 was the worst year for real estate in probably the last 4 years in terms of resale home sale units so we are coming off the bottom and 2024 will very much feel like an upswing back towards a frankly a very amazing market which again julie and i are going to give you i don't want to step on any of our future predictions but you can probably hear it in my voice so julie prediction number four
1: prediction number four is the number of sales will rise this should climb back into the five million plus sale range but that's still short of what people call a normal market which is usually about five and a half million sales increase in resale home sales by as much as a million units sellers will continue to be in control so those of you who go immediately to the panic button because there's going to be more to sell and you know more units going we're still going to be nowhere near a balanced market a balanced market is when there's one buyer for every house right now we're running with three offers for every pending
0: so julie and i are actually predicting that there's going to be a million more resale home units that are going to come for sale in 2024 that's going to still to julie's point listen to what she said that's still going to be short of what the market needs to become any to be anything near a balanced market so a balanced market, listen to what Julie said, is in the mid five million range, 5.5 million. And we're predicting that there's going to be probably four point or I'm sorry, yeah, 4.5 to 4.6 million total resale homes. Now, if you're in the real estate business, if you're a real estate agent, if you're a real estate team, if you're a real estate broker, that is should represent a significant increase in the opportunity you have to help people buy and sell real estate. Prediction number four, Julie. Five. Number five. Number five, uh, that's sorry.
1: Okay. Uh, agent migration from small and medium-sized brokers to larger brands. This is partially a result of the commission lawsuit, partially a result of shrinking profits. Brokerages like eXp are rising due to agent-centric opportunities beyond just your commissions.
0: And I was having this very conversation with a former president of eXp Realty yesterday in text, Dave, and he and I were talking about the fact that eXp, as using Julie's example, is actually increased their net agent count. The company actually grew in size. So what's going to happen from these commission uh, lawsuits? Really, what's going to happen for the most part is a lot of small and medium-sized brokers, even larger ones, are going to use the uh, commission lawsuits as a graceful exit to move up to what will be a more profitable and sustainable business plan for them. For example, if uh, I'm running Tim and Julie Harris Real Estate, you know, Julie and I used to have a real estate team, and we had, I think, at the time, hold on, let me mute that bad boy. And you and I had the time probably like uh, 15 or 20 people to work for, something mm-hmm. like that. Well, I mean, we would right now, because of the nature of the market, because of the nature of referral fees, because of all the things that are happening, it's very hard, especially in the buyer side transactions, to make any profit. Yes. So you maybe were making profit off buyer side units back maybe 10 years ago, seven mm-hmm. years ago. But now as commissions have fallen and as uh, central referral fees have risen and as agents have become more demanding of what you're going to pay them on the buyer side, you're seeing in many cases these buyer agent-based uh, teams that are losing money. And Julie, you had a conversation like this with one of your clients.
1: Yes, actually with two or three of them that, that had been running profits with uh, their buyer size of their team, not huge profits. But now, you know, fewer sales and more commission pressure. And we're going to talk specifically about the commission lawsuits in the next point, yeah, it's it's become either even Steven or actually losing money on that side. So you really have to run a profit and loss on that side of the business. Now what agents love to do is mix numbers, right? They don't like to talk about the difference between what they make on listings and what they make on the buyer sides. They like to blend all of that and then pretend that it's a higher percentage.
0: So when we, when you have a uh, coaching consultation conversation with any of our coaches or certainly with Julie and I, and you have a team, what we're going to ask you to do is how many units did you sell last year? 300. How many of those were buyer sides? 150. How many of those were listing sides? Obviously 150. Well, on the buyer sides, let's do a profit and loss just on the buyer side deals And then let's do one on the seller side. So we're going to take all the cost, all the money you paid to the buyer's agents, all the referral fees you paid, all the other, you know, servicing, like for example, if you had- cost of your leads. Exactly. Well, cost of your leads, but cost of servicing the closed Mm -hmm. transactions on the buyer sides and not even paying you for your time. How much actual profit did you make from this buyer side? So what you see consistently, and you've been seeing this for quite a while, by the way, this is not a new phenomenon, is you're seeing that in many cases- Those teams make no money on the buyer side transactions. They make the profit on the listing side transactions, and then they use the listing profit, which should go in their pocket as their profit, to actually subsidize the buyer side of the business. In other words, they're taking, uh, they're robbing Peter to pay Paul, in essence. That's really what's happening. And so that's the reason a lot of these larger teams are so reliant on ancillary services to basically make any profit, transaction fees, mortgage, and title. They've almost given up the ability. The real estate transaction has become the lost leader for them to do- actually make any profit. Now, it's not all of them doing it that way, but a lot of them have done it that way. So we're going to talk about AI in prediction number seven, but really what Julie and I are, and I think it's a fair prediction based on currently the trajectory of EXP, mm-hmm. is you're going to see a lot of these brokers and these teams are going to want to move over to EXP because they can essentially, um, the costs that they have to run their businesses, brokerages and teams are going to be shared with the EXP. So now all of a sudden their profit margins are going to increase. And the EXP value proposition as an example to the actual agent is so much more uh, powerful than it is at a small, medium sized brokerage. But really what's going to happen, the impetus of so many of these brokerages we're looking for um, you know, a new uh, business environment. Exp in our you know prediction is that they are not going to want to have to deal with the litigation that is inevitably going to come from all the copycat lawsuits that are as a result of this commission sharing uh, you know agreement lawsuit thing that's happened. If you guys don't know about that, we've done a lot of podcasts on it. But what we're already seeing are the copycat lawsuits are starting to go after small brokers and small teams. If you're a small broker and if you're a small team and if you don't have this potential litigation on your radar, you need to seriously think about having a direct conversation with me so I can explain all the different, you know, master of what might potentially happen. And you can text me directly at 512-758-0206, 512-758-0206. You have to have a plan. No plan is going to result in you essentially always being on your heels worrying about this. So at least have in your back pocket your plan B and that's what we could have this conversation about. So it's 512-758-0206. Prediction number six. Prediction if, number six. Prediction yes. number six. The effect of the commission lawsuit. It's too soon to tell. However.
1: However, watch for your local MLS. I'm sorry. Watch for local MLSs to decouple from NAR. Again, NAR for my newbies is National Association of Realtors. Membership to NAR will drop, but that does not mean agents are necessarily quitting real estate. Just because you're not part of NAR does not mean that you are not selling real estate. So
0: when you hear these talking heads, mostly on YouTube, talking about the drop in the number of realtors... They might very well be correct. It makes sense that they are. But that is, does not mean it's the drop in the number of licensed agents. So for example, in California, you can join your MLS and not be a member of National Association of Realtors. When Julie and I were selling real estate, you could not. You had to join your MLS and you had to join National Association of Realtors. You didn't have a choice. At the time, we were with RE-MAX, but I think that was a local MLS policy. Mm-hmm. And your, our prediction is you're going to see, in very short order, within the next 60 to 90 days, There's going to be a change in the rules that you can no longer – you no longer have to join NAR to be a member – to be obviously an active participant in your local MLS. Now, what will that actually do for NAR? We think, yes, it's going to decrease the amount of revenue that they have, but we think it's a great opportunity for NAR to hard reset and completely redo their value proposition because if you have a club – where people are paying a decent amount of money to be part of the club, they're going to want to participate. Those are the people that have chosen to use their dollars to participate and maybe have a say in the way the real estate industry works. The people that are being forced to join National Association of Realtors just to participate in an MLS, they're the ones that are going to want – they don't see a value in it. They're being forced to use NAR – whether that's, you know, whether they're correct in that assumption or not, I don't really I mean Julian, I think NAR has huge a uh, benefit yes. to the real estate industry. But all this aside, the the actual result to NAR will be fewer members. This is our prediction but it will actually create a stronger NAR because those members will be actually actively participating because they'll have have chosen to pay to participate.
1: Yes, that's a very good way of explaining that. And another result of the commission lawsuits is the flexibility of buyer side fees may become more normal and less locked in, less of a specific percentage of entitlement to that commission. That's going to be localized, so watch what's happening. And also some of that's powered by your own brokers. Power of the state and local boards will increase if NAR's influence decreases. We've already seen a little bit of that, and the argument for that is that that's much more localized to you. You probably are more tuned into that than you are on the national basis. So that's all fine. I agree with you that there's certainly value to NAR, and I like that you pointed out, you know, there's going to be headlines about, you know, NAR membership drops by whatever percentage. And somebody's gonna spin that into a realtor recession or a realtor, well, no, you know. Julie,
0: nobody tracks the yeah. number of licensees in the United States.
1: Exactly, but so, that's the important number. Right? And we
0: did see this morning, we read that the uh, supposedly National Association of Realtors year over year uh, is down by members of what, 1.5 percent? 1.4 percent. Right. So even if that number drops by a half or even more, there, that doesn't mean the number of licensees are actually going to decrease. Licensees, as in you guys, you know? And so with that in mind, it, and I don't think we have this as a prediction. But it's fair to say that the number of licensees will actually increase. The number of people getting real estate licenses will increase. The number of people joining National Association of Realtors, assuming our prediction is correct, will decrease. Those are the two trends that we expect to happen. So if you think there's going to be a mass exodus of National Association of Realtors members, there very well could be. We're predicting that there will be because of this litigation. But do you will there be a decrease in the number of um, uh, you know actual real estate agents? No way. No. Why? Because they're going to see that the boom, the new real estate boom, interest rates have uh, you know fallen. They're going to see opportunity. People that are a lot of people get into real estate part time. A lot of people get into real estate. Um, You know, when they're uh, frankly not making enough money from their primary job, they're looking for as, you know, the kids say side hustles and the rest of it. All of these trends are just amplifying into 2024. There will be an increase in the number of licensees, a decrease in the uh, members of National Association of Realtors. All right. Prediction number seven, new AI empowered team and brokerage models will thrive. AI-empowered
1: agents will rule the roost. Expect AGI beyond just AI to be the biggest reality bender since the industrial revolution or even the tech revolution. Soon, AI will do all of your social media for you and other passive lead generation. AI will allow individual agents to operate as if they had a big and expensive team. AI will even enable agents to not just lead generate, but also to do initial pre-qualification and pre-sales. Can you talk a little bit more about that?
0: Yeah, so AGI is essentially where it's indistinguishable that you're talking to um, you know, a computer versus talking to a human. And that could be voice, that could be video, and I assume if uh, you know Elon Musk's robot actually works mm-hmm. out, it actually might be a robot as well. But they'll, it'll be indistinguishable. So the AI, or rather the AGI, Artificial general intelligence is the step beyond uh, artificial intelligence. AGI is the big breakthrough. AGI is the thing that you hear people talking about that they're sometimes fearful of. But AGI, what it's going to do, it's going to free you up, individual real estate practitioner and those of you who own teams, to focus on the high value contacts with your actual buyers and sellers. So it's interesting when you're thinking it from a practical, tactical perspective, if you had a real estate team or brokerage and you had uh, you know AGI that can essentially replace certain roles in your team, what roles would those be? Well, it's obvious. A lot of them are going to be the transaction coordination. It's going to be the marketing. You're going to be able to go to AGI and you're going to say, AGI, please create for me a 12 month um, you know YouTube video series on how to buy your first house. I want to produce a new video every two weeks or every week or five videos a week, whatever. Um, then the, you're going to have a scan of yourself. So there's going to be a virtual you that's already going to be scanned. It's going to have a, a voice sample of you. And then it's going to create the script that the virtual you is then going to be presenting, talking about essentially first time buyers. Then it's going to start churning out the videos and it's going to uh, publish the videos on YouTube, do all the SEO inside YouTube correctly, then make those videos into shorts, publish those videos. You guys get it? That's what's coming. That's going to free up so many of uh, you to focus more on the high value, high, you know, frankly, high skilled activities that are required. How much? How many of you listening right now really enjoy doing all the work that doesn't result directly in a paycheck? So if you want to know what AGI will replace, it's all the activities other than the actual direct human contact. Because what AGI won't do, and I thought a lot about this point, what AGI won't be able to do is have that nuanced, intuitive uh, human connection. It never will be able to do that. Yeah. Will AGI be able to pre-qualify? It will, but it will never be able to do it as well as a skills uh, real estate agent. Will AGI be able to transaction uh, do transaction coordination? Absolutely. Make home brochures? A hundred percent. Do a lot of that type of stuff? Social but, media. Exactly. Those mm-hmm. are the jobs that are going to go away. How about this? A, there are AI, um, you know, not really bots, but let's call them bots. There's AI bots now that can actually be your social manager, media, your social media manager for you and respond and like and do all the things that a, you know, a normal human would do so that you can try to get interaction on your social media posts, if that's important to you. Now, what if you're not that interested in passive lead generation? You want to focus on proactive lead generation. AGI. There's a lot of companies in the real estate fintech space that sell you guys leads and their leads are supposedly based on some sort of fancy AI algorithm and blah, blah, blah. The truth is, is they're not. They're taking different databases and they're just scrubbing for these certain elements. And then they're you know guessing that those are going to be the ones in the case of people selling listing leads. This person's been in their house for seven years. They have this much equity. They they are this age. They're most likely this, that. That's not AI. That's just essentially a a, a if, if anything, an elaborate spreadsheet. Okay, so what AGI will do is AGI is actually going to be able to pull out data from is this person actually searching online? You know, because when you are using uh, YouTube or you're using Google and you click that, I agree, that information is actually tracked, all the searches you're doing. AGI is going to be able to access that. So you're going to be able to get very drilled down, detailed information on not just who's most likely to move which you guys are now essentially paying for those types of leads, the likely to move leads are mostly a waste of money. You're going to then, you're going the, the progress of this, the evolution, if you will, when AI and AGI, AI becomes AGI, is it's going to tell you, not only is Bob and Susie Smith at this address most likely to move based on the standard parameters, but guess what? They've been on Zillow for the last two months searching, and this is what they're looking for. Or they've been searching for information about how to hire a real estate agent and things like that. You guys get it? That's just a for example. So what's going to happen? You know, the old rule was essentially tech-enabled agents are going to replace the agents that aren't tech-enabled. But now what's going to happen is AGI is going to be so, dare I say, easy to use that everyone's going to be able to leverage it at levels that, I mean, frankly, we can't even speculate on now. But you should be excited about it. Don't be intimidated about it. If you are, uh, why AGI won't replace you is because it will never be a human. It will never be able to have those direct human con- uh, connections. What people and those are the connections that people will always be willing to pay for. If you're just doing, if you're selling Ginsu knives, um, or you're selling something that's a commodity like that, then yes, you have probably a worry about your career going forward.
1: Well, I think what you're saying is important because one way to look at it, because I'm studying notes right along with you, and it's all evolving very quickly is that that AI or AGI does not have the relationship with, say, your past client that you do. It's not with that entity. You're still valuable that way. The other big difference is you were saying before it was uh, tech-enabled agents versus non-tech-enabled agents. Well, a lot of that tech costs something. AI does is not expensive to implement, and it's not difficult to learn. So those those of you who are a little bit fearful and kind of trying to marry it in your mind, like learning some new app or some new program, it's not like that, and it also doesn't cost you anything you like know, that.
0: You and I were consulting with a brokerage, and they were asking whether or not they should be creating um, AGI or AI apps and all the rest of it. And you and I spent a week or so like researching to see who was actually in the app development space for real mm-hmm. estate. And the answer that I came back with was no, don't waste your money on it. Right. Because if you start investing, uh, developing a specific app to solve a specific perceived problem at your brokerage, it's not going to happen overnight. And the probability of you getting uh, the output of your work being a really great app is about zero because you're competing with companies like Google and, you know, mm-hmm. OpenAI and all these other entities. So what's going to happen is the Googles and the open AIs, they're going to create the basic platform where all the other companies are going to start creating, let's just call them overlaying or repackaging of it. So if you're uh, contemplating creating an, your own AI app, don't bother, because by the time you even find somebody who claims they know what the hell they're doing, you're already going to be able to go on into the open market and find the exact widget that you were hoping to pay to create. So keep that in mind. Things are now happening. The development of AI into AGI, and this is the prediction, is going to make it so that a lot of you who are, um, you know, frankly, have these inefficient uh, you know, brokerages and, te- brokerages and teams are going to be able to leverage the AGI, spend more time with buyers and sellers, and actually make a hell of a lot more profit. Julie, prediction number eight. Number
1: eight, new construction will continue to be hot. It will continue to impact the resale market. You cannot be blinded to new construction. You need to be educating yourself in your own market, and we have done a lot of podcasts on that. Don't expect builders to flood the market. We talked about that earlier. They do control their own inventory. If they were to flood the market, they're going to affect themselves as well. Uh, Smaller floor plans, Tim, you talked about that. Um, There's a lot of mid-century modern stuff coming back that uh, utilizes space differently. New construction prices have already adjusted down by 5%. Builders are not going to want to do much more of that. And so they're going to control their inventory and make sure, you know, we already don't see tons and tons of uh, like spec homes and stuff like that. But get
0: what she's saying. They've lowered their prices because of the fact that they're making smaller houses that cost less money to build. If interest rates fall, um, you know, all the market dynamics are going to, you know, follow the, obviously the supply and demand. So just have your mind open to it. The real takeaway from all this, and Julie corrected me on this the other day, is the number of new construction homes in 2023 was?
1: About 700,000 that I believe actually closed.
0: Okay. Now that was new homes and multifamily or just new homes?
1: That's just uh, new residential. If you put the multifamily, which tracks everything from two families on up, then it's about a million and a half.
0: All right. Now so pay attention listeners. This is important. If there were 3.6 million home sales, uh, at resale home sales in 2023, which was the worst year in the history of real estate as far as all, all of us are concerned. Except
1: 2009.
0: Exactly. Except 2009. And you had 800,000 uh, new, new construction homes. homes that closed in 2023. You're looking at a total of, you do the math in your head, uh, 4. Uh, six or seven or somewhere <laughs> yeah. right All right so if you are now adding what Julie and I predict to be a million more resale homes and you're adding in the increase inevitable increase in new construction, you're going to start seeing something happen that many of you have never experienced before and it's almost going to be overwhelming. You're going to start feeling a surge. You're going to start. Many of you weren't in the business back in 2009, 2010, when the market started roaring back. But that's what we're expecting to actually have happen in 2024. That's what it's going to feel like. You're going to feel rates uh, decrease. You're going to see this massive pent up demand from people that want to buy homes. Remember, the average age of a first time homebuyer now is nearing 40 years old. Near 40 years old, those people wanted to buy homes before, but the market conditions wouldn't allow them to for a variety of reasons. And maybe even socially, they didn't want to buy a house. But that is all of those, uh, you know, market forces are going to. Uh, boost the housing market then you have lowering interest rates which we predict will start happening in the first quarter and really what will be a significant increase in the supply of homes maybe by considering new construction you're looking at the number of new homes coming for sale could make it so that we're over five million if you factor in the new construction i think i said that right
1: yes and that should make all of your lives easier to summarize all of that uh you alluded to this a second ago. Number nine, new mortgage programs will flourish, and new fintech. We're going to talk about different types of ownership, right? So you talked about uh, home ownership and mortgage access will become a hot political topic. The average age of the first-time buyer is close to 40 now. Uh, speaking of the number 40, there so are,
0: we think yeah. that's going to be, and those people are the voters, right? People in that age yep. group they vote, so they're going to start leaning into politicians that are going to start talking about, us, frankly, um, you know, first-time home buyer friendly. Uh, mortgage products, and that leads to the second point.
1: Yes, 40-year mortgages possibly, automatic rate reductions when rates fall, different types of products you guys haven't seen or and we haven't seen in a while. Um, homes will be securitized by the owner. So imagine being able to sell off the value of maybe 10% of your home to an investor. The investor gets paid 10% of the home's value when the home sells. Their 10% investment could be used towards a down payment, et cetera. That's kind of a hybrid uh, seller financing type of fintech deal, right? What's kind of the hybrid? It's kind of, sure of the
0: kind of hybrid of a reverse mortgage. Yes. But what's going to happen be- is investors. This is already happening, by the way. So this is a safe prediction. But it's going to go. It's going to come out of the shadows and become mainstream. We predict that there's going to be all the things we're talking about. That there's not just going to be your traditional mortgage products. There's going to be your traditional mortgage products. Some more frankly aggressive mortgage products. But then you're going to see a lot of these fintech real estate fintech companies that are going to start creating other interesting opportunities. And one of the ones that we believe actually makes sense is that you're going to be able to say, for example, you want to buy a house in Columbus, Ohio. And let's say that house costs $425,000, but that house over the last 20 years has shown a very consistent, albeit some years it's single digit and other years it's double digit rate of appreciation. Well, if the if uh, you will then go to an investor and you're saying, I'm wanting to buy 123 Elm Street, it's going to cost $425,000. Um, and you know i will commit to selling 10% of the future home's value to you above uh maybe just the equity maybe just the appreciation you know they'll hash it all out in exchange i want that 10,000 at close or that 10% at closing of the current like if i'm paying 425 for it um and your guys are essentially locking into buying future appreciation. That means you're going to have to contribute $42,000 or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. It'll, you know, you guys will understand when I'm, I'm sort of guessing at all of this, but you get the idea. And then people will be able to use that investment from this investor pool as a aid towards their down payment. And that shouldn't violate, as far as I know, any mortgage rules, because you're not, It's the 10% not a, um, a second mortgage.
1: Right. I, I you don't think have to qualify
0: for that's it. That's right.
1: A lot of this is evolving. None of that is illegal. There are contracts that go with it. I actually had a coaching client last week that was telling me about this buying 10% of equity. They were going together to help a friend of theirs that didn't want to actually sell the house, wasn't ready to sell, but had tons of equity as a way of helping that homeowner get some cash, not have to sell and really basically be a partner in the ownership of the house. Right. And it's pretty creative. Well, in some we, mar- You only have that happen when there's tons of equity like we have now.
0: Well, look, if someone can get a 30-year, if someone came to us, Julie, and they said, I have, uh, I'm have, i going to buy this new construction home, the builder bought down the rate, it's 4.5%, it's a 30-year fix, mm-hmm. and we knew the market, we knew it was a really hot market, and the house costs $700,000, and I need $50,000 to make my down payment, but this is the percent of the upside appreciation that you'll get. That's probably a gamble we'd take.
1: Absolutely. I mean, yeah. look at your example of Columbus just last year. Amazingly, it was in the top 20 yeah. at, at appreciating 12%. So if you read the numbers, that is potentially a good investment. And yes, you're speculating, but you can also hold on to it. The the, the thing that'll be interesting is how and if and how that affects the borrowers, You know, the buyer's qualification for something. Well, they won't
0: it won't it, they won't have to pay that money back, so it won't go against their I wouldn't ability. Think. But here's the real question again, we're not experts at this and this is a prediction, is that whether that the investor is going to get the tax benefits of owning a portion of that house in terms of depreciation, right? How yeah, that'll be treated. They could very well and, you know, so we'll have to see. But next thing we're predicting along the lines of new mortgage programs is we think Freddie and Fannie, this is very wonkish, but it's interesting. We've been watching this for mm-hmm. years. You know, it's funny. Some of the first stock Julie and I bought back when we got married in, yep. you know, 1991. Um, we, I think, in 1993 we started buying uh, stock, and some of the first stock we bought was Fannie and Freddie. Yep. Um, now, obviously, Fannie and Freddie are in receivership, but we're predicting that Fannie and Freddie come out of receivership. Now, why is that good for you? Again, mortgage mortgage products. And more specifically, they're going to start buying mortgage backed securities right now. What's happening. And this is having an effect on the interest rates is that the fed is selling mortgage backed securities, not buying mortgage backed securities. So we, I think uh, Fannie Freddie right now have $130 billion in their savings account. Mm-hmm. I mean, if there's a company that needs to come out of receivership, there's those two. Uh, so they're going to use We believe that they're going to start uh, buying back. They're going to be out of receivership and then they're going to start buying mortgage backed securities. Again, Prediction, don't hold us to it. But then we also believe, because we do know, we're quite certain that interest rates are going to start going down in the first quarter of 2024, that the Federal Reserve will actually have to start, they won't call it quantitative easing, that's for damn sure, or money printing. No, No. nothing like that. But we do believe that the Federal Reserve will actually start buying mortgage-backed securities. And in other words, the interest rates might even fall further than what Julie and I are predicting because there'll be a demand for those mortgage products. You know, essentially, I would argue, artificially formed from the government, not from true consumers. Yeah. But here nor there. That's a more of a political statement. Mm-hmm. And if you really want to know what the underlying uh, thesis is behind our predictions with regards to interest rates, it's an election year. Interest mm-hmm. rates almost always go down in an yeah. election year. So Julie and I have sort of hedged our. Um, a lot of our predictions because we studied the history of what has happened in similar uh, housing markets during similar uh, market cycles. Certainly, there's no similar economic cycle, but market cycles. And our last prediction, you guys are going to love this one. Let me read the headline, Julie Harris. Yes, my favorite. 2024 one. will be the start, you're all going to love this, of the new roaring 20s.
1: 2024 is the start of a new bull run for home sales. You thought the last boom was big. Tim just talked about it a second ago, starting in about 2010, 11, just wait, 2023 was indeed the worst year for total home sales in nearly 40 years with 2009 being the only one worst because... All of those short sale and foreclosure sellers were not buyers. So we were missing the buyer side back then. We don't have that problem now.
0: Homeowners are sitting on trillions of dollars of home equity. There's the number of uh, homes that are owned outright, something like it's 43%. Nearly 50%. Yeah, it's nearly 50%. The amount of equity that humans, that homeowners have in the United States is ridiculous. The... Essentially, the financial benefit of owning a home has never been more validated than in the last ten years. The amount of net worth that somebody has owning a home is so much uh, more than someone who never that that rents all their life.
1: That's been studied, actually. I think it's something. I believe it's like twenty eight percent more. Might even be more than that when you compare somebody who owns a home
0: versus a renter. Right. And yes, there's problems with affordability for first-time homebuyers. By the way, there always has been. And there's always been
1: programs for that,
0: too. It's never, right. It's never been easy for a first-time homebuyer to buy a home. That's the nature of being a first-time homebuyer. You have to save up the money. But now more than ever, I would agree. But you know, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens with appreciation, and the rest of it. But 2024 is the start of a massive boom that's going to last at least a decade. The secondary point is demographics and pent up demand will push home sales, uh, will push home sales up and appreciation. Really, what the the best way of thinking about the future of housing is ask yourself these simple questions: Are there fewer people or more people that want to buy a house? Are there more families being formed or fewer families being formed? Are there is there a massive, huge uh, number of baby boomers that are going to upsell or upgrade their homes or downgrade their homes? All of these things, if you just pay attention to what's actually really going on and focus on supply and demand, you will not be able to come up with one literate conver- uh, uh, point in week. I can't still no. man this one, honestly. No. I can't uh, explain to you why we might be wrong now. Well, it'll be the start of the roaring to, uh, yes. you know, 20s. Now, How
1: fast and how roaring is the question? Yeah,
0: we're not expecting it to be like some sort of like, you know, crazy, you know, all of a sudden, what the hell's going on in the world? It's all pivoted. Now it's great. No. no, it's going to be a slow, obvious building of the number of real estate transactions. Now, there's plenty of headwinds in the market. There's plenty of headwinds happening with this commission sharing lawsuit. There's plenty of other things that are going to occupy the cerebral, you know, headspace of most people, you cannot allow yourself to be pulled down in these negative vortexes. If you're not being optimistic, especially after listening to today's point, if you're not excited about 2024, here's your prescription. Absolutely, positively purge all forms of media immediately because you're allowing yourself being lulled into complacency, which will allow yourself or unfortunately will result in you failing. This is going to be the start Of the roaring uh you know 2000s or 20s not for everyone but for those who are thinking like that because if you believe 2024 is gonna be another crappy year and we had this conversation with someone yesterday
1: i was just thinking that and i
0: asked him why you think that way and he had no damn answer he said because the other people are telling me that to which i said talk to different people right that's what i told him (laughs) he didn't think I was funny but i did i know yeah but anyway so so that is the truth so you need to start purging the people from you uh from your life that are not feeling optimistic because if they're choosing to lean into the negativity and not leaning into the facts that we just gave to you guys and our predictions were a lot, mostly based on facts. Julie and I took a long time to create this. These are not just, you know, this isn't just BS we pulled out of the air. These were actual facts we pulled from actually a whole bunch of different sources.
1: Yes. And I, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking back to when stuff, you know, when the housing came back after 2008 and nine you remember when there was this sense, you were sort of just talking about the collective unconscious of how people think yeah. about the, the real estate market. There was this sense of frugality, fatigue, fatigue right? Yeah. So during the Great Recession, the housing crash, it was a thing for a while to say, well, I don't, I Starbucks isn't in my budget anymore. I'm not doing that anymore. And I'm going to take the bus. I'm going to ride the bike. I'm going to walk. I'm not going to have a car payment anymore. I'm downsizing everything. I'm going to rent for a while. And that went on for like two or three years and there was this whole voluntary simplicity movement and there was a lot of ethos around that. And that's
0: where the small house thing, the yes, mini house, the, the little tiny pe- homes. people living in fancy trailers basically and not yeah. being, yeah, that that's not going to work. Maybe yeah. you and- uh, It's unsustainable, right? You really. and your partner or your wife are going to live in a little trailer, but you add a kid, I promise you. Even a dog. Those <laughs> tiny homes are going to be seen as what they really were in the first place, which is fancy sheds.
1: Exactly. Now, then- the tide turned, didn't it? I know that you remember this as well, because we were coaching then uh, also, where it's just like people kind of got over that and they got fatigued of being so frugal all the time. And then the enthusiasm came back to the market. I compare that to how we all experienced 2023. You know, the mortgage guys joke about a decade worth of mortgage drama happening in one year in 2023. Really, we can trace that back to maybe the end of 2022 as well, where we were having rates bounce up and down. We went from three and a half to five. Then we came down. Then we went to six and a half. We ended up at 8.1 at the peak. And now we're coming back down under seven already. That's a lot of stress and drama in one year. And and I feel like maybe we're all collectively getting over that.
0: Well, you absorbed it as a real estate practitioner from your buyers and your sellers. Yes, People hate change that's like the you guys hate it we hate it everyone hates it but I'll tell you it's interesting psychologically one of the number one predeterminants as to your level of success in life and business and personal is your ability to quickly adapt to new change. Mm -hmm. And if you're one of these people that, uh, you know, waits around and you can let months and years pass you and then you finally accept the change, then you've already missed what would have been maybe a great opportunity for you. So what we're shining light on are reasons to believe that 2024 is going to be the first year of what will be at least a 10 year ever increasing uh, boom market. And we cannot find any any reason, not a single reason to believe that that's not true, because ultimately it's just demographics and demographics are always going to, you know, rule the rules. And look, it's not interest rates. The lack of home sales in 2023 was lack of inventory. Interest rates got up to 8 percent and people were still buying real estate. Right. It is lack of inventory. Lack of inventory problem is going to start being greatly resolved in 2024. Listeners, I strongly encourage you to share these thoughts with us because that means that the actions you're going to take, whether you're listening to this in the middle of 2024, into 2024, or into 2023, the actions you're going to take going forward are going to be different than the actions you would have taken if you were believing that your tomorrow was going to be worse than your today.
1: And that is exactly the work that our coaches are doing now with our great coaching clients. It's the work we're doing with our elite private coaching clients is creating that 2024 business plan, which is focused on different types of activities than what you did during the pandemic than you did during 2023. It has no element of waiting in the business plan. And it talks about things, you know, that you've got to do with more consistency and more intensity. There's three things that we're focused on, and there's more to the business plan. Of course, there's tons more. But if I were in your shoes, and I was a real estate practitioner, there, there is a salesperson.
0: You're in their shoes. I'm but in their shoes. You're shoe adjacent.
1: I'm shoe adjacent Yeah,
0: because right. Well, you're the head coach for yes. our, our organization, but yeah, well, you're, so you're sh- adjacent. To their, exactly. Yeah. Well,
1: three things. One is I sure as heck would be talking to every single person in my database, finding out what their plans are. How many of them right now are getting, you know, relocated? They're talking about investing, moving up, moving down, moving out, moving sideways. Who are they because you need to be ready to help them?
0: How many of these agents listening right now, Julie, and we're going to have tens of thousands you're know, going to listen to this, maybe hundreds of thousands of previous prediction shows we've done, but how many of them actually know how to have a purposeful a conversation with the center of influence and past client where it isn't, you know, puking real estate on them, but that they actually right. want to then participate in helping you, you know, maybe do a treat deal with you or refer somebody sure. to you. How many of you actually know how to have meaningful, intentional conversations like that with folks? It, some of you, you're very good at it and no doubt about it. Well, other, those are
1: the ones with all the pendings and listings. Other, right,
0: exactly. Others of you, most of you, you, you're not good at it and you don't know you're not good at it. Here's how you know if you're good at it or not. How many deals do you have pending right now that are from centers of influence and past clients? How many listings do you have right now that are from centers of influence and past clients? How many actual conversations have you had with anybody in the last you know, 180 days that have resulted in you generating a listing or buyer lead. Chances are the answers to those questions are it's a very low number of you that are that efficient. And what if AGI leads anywhere? It's going to lead to the agents that know how to have those intentional, purposeful conversations. There is not going to be a reduction of any variety in the opportunity being a real estate practitioner. Nope. What you've got to realize to summarize our ten predictions is you are in the right place. You are in the, at the right time. Now it's Absolutely required that you take the next natural step and you turn tune your mental and emotional frequency to the opportunity to be yourself as you know be the best version of yourself as a real estate practitioner helping people isn't that the reason you got into real estate oh yeah of course to make money as well but that making money is the byproduct of knowing what you have to know to help people in this market you're good it's going to be more complicated you're going to have to know about more different mortgage products you're going to have to know about you know the different things that are happening with this and the other things listen to this podcast become coaching clients share our energy enthusiasm for the future because this is your time this is what it feels like to be in the right place at the right time so listen guys thank you for keeping this the number one listen to daily podcast for real estate practitioners in at least the united states it is truly our pleasure and our honor Um, to be your online real estate coaches. Now, please do keep in mind, this at the very best is just real estate training. Real estate coaching happens when you join us at Premier Coaching. The link is in the show description or you can just simply go to premiercoaching.com. Hey, guess what? Let me be the first to wish this uh, to all of you. (laughs) Happy New Year. Year. And if you're listening to us in 2024 and you're listening to this as a replay, I got another uh, suggestion for you. Are you having the best year ever? Is this 2024 working out to be the start of what you know is to be the best year ever? If not, you know what to do. Join Premier Coaching. Let us help you take the right steps so that you can actually feel what it feels like to be in the right place at the right time. In the meantime, have a fantastic day. we will talk with you on the show tomorrow.
1: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.